think it's really important and I think employers do have a duty of care to accommodate and try to destigmatize these conversations. We don't want to live in that kind of society where people have to ask permission to go to the loo. Hello, Kathy here. September is Urology Awareness Month. And to mark the occasion this week, we're talking about all things pee related. Yes, you heard that right, pee. We all do it, but how much do we know about how it can affect us at work? In a world we often shy away from discussing certain health topics, Urology Awareness Month encourages us to break that silence. From common conditions like urinary tract infections to more complex issues and personal issues like bladder cancer, urology health affects everybody. And yes, it has an effect in the workplace too. So I'm thrilled that today Helen Lake is joining me, urology lead specialist at PEPI. And with over three decades of experience in men's health and urology, she brings invaluable insights to us today. And together we're going to shed some light on urology in the workplace, help us understand why it's time to stop overlooking them. Helen, can you just give us a bit of an introduction to yourself, please, and some background to the world of urology? Thanks, Cathy. Yes, I'm delighted to be here. So, yes, I started my um, urology career, my nursing career, um, as a staff nurse in the NHS on a, on a busy urology ward. Um, and I didn't really know much about it at the time. But, um, you know, I was fascinated and very interested straight away because what I found was that urology issues affect men and women, all genders and all ages, from really sort of your teens uh, up until post-retirement. And so it was very varied um, and I, I immediately became hooked, really. So uh, from there, I went on to be a ward sister and then went into specialist practice in around 2003 and really concentrated on bladder dysfunction, bladder cancer, recurrent UTIs and men's health issues as well. And sort of built up uh, independent clinics. So um, since then, you know, it's been a bit of a bit of a love affair, to be honest. Um, and of course, um, now I'm a, I'm a serving trustee for the British Association of Urology Nurses. Um, but I'm really interested in highlighting all the all the areas that come along with urology. Thank you. So I'm definitely talking to the right person here today, Helen. Um, but can you just tell me, though, um, I'm sure there's some people listening and thinking I'm not entirely sure what the word urology means. Um, can you just explain that to us? Yes, of course. So it refers to the urogenital system. So these are the parts of your body responsible for the production of urine, um, storing it and discharging it to the outside. So that's the kidneys, the bladder and the urethra, the, the pipe that leads to the outside. Um, and also the parts of the body in men involved in sexual functions, such as the prostate, uh, which we hear a lot about, about these days, and the penis and the testicles. And of course, urological conditions include some of the most common serious diseases really in the UK, such as prostate cancer, kidney damage, incontinence, which I think we'll probably touch on, and also bladder cancer, testicular cancer, but also recurrent infections, kidney stones, um, so very, very wide reaching. Uh, so, and the other thing, Cathy, to note is that one in two of us will experience a urology condition in our lifetime. Definitely an important topic so, for then for us to cover. Um, Helen, yes. let's kick things off yes. by debunking some myths though around urology. 
So can you help us dispel some of these misconceptions? So the first one is this. Urology only affects older men. Helen, can you debunk that myth for us and shed some light on how actually it's relevant, not just to men and certainly not just to old men? Certainly, absolutely. Well, we can take, first of all, um, a, a, a common condition that is women were very, very, very familiar with, and that is um, the, the nasty UTI, the urinary tract infection women will um, at least 50% of us, I reckon more 60, uh, will have a single urinary tract infection in their lifetime. Um, and of those, 20% will go on to have another one. 30% of those will go on to have yet another one. So that's recurrent UTI. And 80% will go on to have much more frequent than that. So that's a hell of a lot of women having a hell of a lot of infection. And, th and we're talking about you know, teenagers, right through all the way to perimenopause, menopause and beyond. So it, 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 it can span the lifetime. And of course, this is associated with pelvic pain, discomfort, misery, often time off work. Um, and for men too, uh, less frequent, but and often more complex with men, because it's usually to do with the prostate um, blocking the drainage of the bladder. Uh, but it also leads to very m miserable, miserable symptoms. And then obviously men in their 20s and their 30s, this age group, um, you know, we particularly we think of testicular cancer. Um, now, this ca cancer, although it's a very good outcomes if caught early, we can't really dismiss the fact that incidents have gone up 27 percent since, you know, the 1990s. Um, and. The peak ages are 30 to 34, but it doesn't start to really significantly go down until you're 49. So I think we do assume, you know, very young lads, that in actual fact, all men of all ages can get testicular cancer. Um, and, you know, there's, there's other things such as fertility, male infertility, prostatitis, uh, that kind of thing. And I think um, by understanding this wider scope, um, I think employers can start to realise that their people um, are, can be affected by many of these issues. And it's interesting, isn't it, that um, there is a lot more conversation now around prostate cancer, um, but still not as much as breast cancer and the awareness is not as great. And yet it's just as important. Uh, absolutely. And um, I, I think just for the first time, not in the UK, but in England, I think prostate cancer just edged breast cancer just before COVID there. So it'd be interesting to see because we get our yeah. figures a couple of years behind, don't we, Cathy? So um, it'll be interesting to see what COVID did to that um, because, of course, the men and women, well, all genders, really missed a lot of diagnosis during that time. So it's a concern. Yeah, both very important yeah. topics. Um, Helen, I'm going to give you another uh, myth that I'd like you to discuss. Um, toilet habits, bathroom habits are not appropriate to talk about at work. How would you respond to that? Well, you know that I'm going to push back on that, Cathy. Um, I, I think that um, <laughs> I think that you know, living with the urological disease um, really does impact everyday life for, for sufferers, and this covers work, study, um, if, if 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 you're a student, socialising, relationships, emotional confidence, and well-being. Um, there's a lot of stigma uh, from you know. Being diagnosed with a cancer, certainly continence, 
bladder issues, you know, are, are really significant. I think we'll probably go on to talk about that. Male infertility, people often feel embarrassed and ashamed. And I think that really, if we're looking at um, equity, um, you know, diversity and inclusion, we've got to think about um, not only, you know, we're all working longer and this will continue because a lot of older people are working beyond retirement. And it's not just, it's prevalent in the older people continents. People are working later. Um, and I think that what we need to be able to think about is toilet facilities, um, you know, raising awareness around incontinence. People spend 60% of their, of their wake, waking hours at work. Um, and basically 82% 80, 82 of working people who had bladder issues struggled with incontinence at work. And 50% actually report that they took sick time to deal with their symptoms rather than and to make something up because they didn't want to say I'm off because I'm struggling to mm -hmm. um to cope with my my symptoms um and I think that um obviously we've got to think about dignity and um and, and creating an area without stigma so that people can can come to work and feel included in the workforce um and as I say it's not just the older people it's younger people who may have stomas or who use medical devices so I think um, I think it's really important and I think employers do have a duty of care to accommodate and try to destigmatize these conversations um, you know um, and, and really just appreciate the value of having that open culture and try to demystify it really. Thank you so really what you're saying is that um, everybody please let's talk about it absolutely everybody pays and I think that you know there's there's easy things you can do I mean as employers there's awareness days um you know there's don't you know in, include that and um, have posters up have information on notice boards highlighting symptoms and how to how to access help I mean we've all seen some of the um, signage on the back of toilets, you know, with QR codes, just to point people in the right direction. And I think as well, in my career, what I've seen is, and actually have had to do, is write letters for patients to take to their supervisors at work to explain that they need toilet breaks um, and that they will need time away from their workstations. Well, surely we don't want to live in that kind of society where people have to ask permission to go to the loo um, and that's going to drive a lot of people out of out of out of businesses um, you know and I think raising awareness about continents does help employees educate your HR staff to understand some of the issues um, and you know at, at the end of the day an employee should hopefully be able to go to somebody to say look I need to have some time off and, and this is the reason why um, because otherwise you know you're not going to really get your best out of your employees um, it's important for people to attend appointments because this stops flare-ups of different conditions so yeah absolutely we all have to pay um, so look at your toilet facilities and look at you know maybe make it custom and practice to have comfort breaks during meetings 
um, so that people can plan plan their, their, their bladder management around around a busy day and still contribute. That's a really good idea because um, sometimes it's really off-putting if you've got a full agenda in front of you and you're not quite sure at which point you're allowed to go to the loo. Um, I think that would be yeah. really useful as well. Yeah. Um, and improving the conversation. I think you're right, Helen, and your enthusiasm certainly makes that real. Um, Helen, given your experience, can you share your experience, an example of somebody that you've treated whose um, urology or bladder issue was impacting their work? I, I, I do have somebody that stands out really, really strongly in, in my memory from a few um, years back um, and actually very much in keeping with what we've just said. She couldn't be honest with her, her supervisor. Um, she, uh, she was in her early 40s. She, she had passed blood in her urine um and um had been trapped by um for a urinary tract infection by a doctor but continued to really feel very very ill um so she was referred to the hospital and she had all our investigations um and she uh, was put on she was found to have a very superficial bladder tumor which is usually dealt with by just cutting it away in observation but she was put on a on a course of um bladder installations and actually it's bcg which is the TB vaccine, mm. um, but it's really very good at, at, at curing some superficial cancers. But unfortunately, in her case, it created terrible cystitis, which it can do. Um, so she was off a lot, and she didn't she didn't know quite how to say that it was a bladder. She tried to go to work, and she had to go to the loo every ten minutes. Every time people were starting to notice, she was embarrassed. So eventually she went off sick till she com- till she um, finished her treatment. Um, and then the symptoms came back. She was getting pressured from work to come back because she'd gone way over, a, you know, there was a very strict sickness policy. Um, and she missed, because she felt like she ought to be back at work, she missed a very important examination of her bladder. And then what unfortunately happened, which I'm sure you've come across in, in your clinical um, career as well, Kathy, is that sometimes you get lost to follow up. So because you didn't come for that one, the next one wasn't put in. So when her symptoms returned, she went back to the hospital. Unfortunately, a tumour had accelerated and had come to the stage where she needed to have her bladder removed. Mm-hmm. Um, so... We had that conversation around, you know, the embarrassment. How so? Basically, if she'd been seen earlier, that might have been headed off. Um, I mean, she did go on to recover, um, and you know, it, 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 she still thrives to this day. However, she might not have lost her bladder. Um, yeah, that's quite perfect a perfect example of not being yeah. feeling like she can't take that time off work. So, yeah, I mean, a- she really stays in my memory. That's a passionate lesson, Helen. Um, yeah. Thank you. Good story. Um, we're going to move on to our quick fire round. So this is quite a short section. So you have to be quick, Helen. Um, what would you say are the three All top? Right. U- what would you say are the three top urology issues impacting employees today? So I would say for people at work, I would definitely say continence, male and female, overactive bladder, underactive bladder, post delivery of, of you know childbirth. Mm. Uh, menopausal and beyond there's about three million adults struggle with bladder control in this country according to the urology foundation that's a lot of people um so i would say continence and if you think about all those people try to dispose pads at work because not everybody can work at home 
Um, and and my lady um, that I've just been discussing, you know, that in those days she couldn't do that. You know, there was no hybrid working. Um, so definitely continence. So we haven't got to shy away from pee or poo, by the way, but we're, we're concentrating on the bladder today. Number two, I would say, is prostate cancer and prostate health. Um, prostate cancer, we were discussing earlier, now accounts for about 26% of all new cancers in men in the UK, uh, making it the most common form of cancer in men. Men of Afro-Caribbean descent are one in four more likely to have prostate cancer. Men are one, uh, UK um, white British men are one in eight. So black men have twice as likely diagnosis of prostate cancer. And it's not really known that. I think it's becoming known because of the work that Prostate Cancer UK has done. But I think that as employers really need to get that message out to their, to their workers to get, to get that information to empower and educate. So I'd say definitely prostate. Then, of course, prostate, which doesn't have to be cancer, but can be enlarged prostate, what we call benign prostatic hyperplasia. Um, can account for lots of urinary symptoms in men. And that's, that's a hell of a lot of uh, enlarged prostates in this country. And then I would say urinary tract infection, um, based on what, what we were talking about before. The average age of people affected by chronic cystitis, so another term for that is either bladder pain or interstitial cystitis, is 40, age 40. Um, and men can get that as well, but it's mostly women. 50% of women, as we've said, will have at least one UTI. And one out of about, I think it's 2,000 healthy men will have a, will have a UTI. So um, this is, I think, a big problem. So continence, prostate, infection. Those are my top three. Um, and uh, that illustrates perfectly how um, it affects everybody um, and all employees are affected in the topics. Um, what do you think HR professionals should be doing? How can they make it a priority? I think it's important for them to know the issues. So, um, you know, it, it, this is a change because in the past, you know, it has been a pe personal issue. You know, let's not uh, delve there, but, but things are changing. Uh, because people are at work and we have to look after our people. And so I think, you know, see where your gaps are, educate your key people in what are, what are the issues. Maybe even, you know, look at what toilet facilities you have. I know this is really difficult when you have people working off site. Um, but what tends to happen is people tend to limit their fluids and then that leads to other, other problems. So, you know, look at what toilet, toilet facilities you have, look at how inclusive they are. And a big one for me is the disposal of, of pads and, you know, devices so that people can do that with dignity and they're not having to take them home in a carrier mm -hmm. bag or, you know, all of these things that you hear such, such awful stories about. Um, that, um, you know, having awareness of those basic human needs that people what goes in has to come out somewhere and often people with bladder issues have to say to themselves I'll have to go every two hours you know I will make sure I go every two hours to preempt any problems so if if you see people disappearing 
you know, make it your business to try and find out and, and, and make that experience a little bit more comfortable and dignified for your workforce. So definitely find out and maybe use, you know, you know, use the charities, use awareness days. Um, that opens it all up because you, if it's not you suffering, you maybe know somebody who is and it, and it kind of opens up that conversation. That, that's really what I would, what I would say. And just start, start small. Yeah. The obvious things. Thank you, Helen. And um, can you share a story with us, um, perhaps where employer support has made a real difference? So an example of where urology in the workplace has been addressed? Um, so a few, a few years ago, there was concern around the um, blood in, in the urine. Because I think a lot of people might think, oh, I've seen it once. I'll wait to see if it happens again. Um, and of course, my advice, our advice as clinicians would be, if you see it once, you go. Um, but I think people always err on the, well, you know, it was a one-off. Um, so what happened was, and this was really well supported. Um, so, of course, I'm based in, in the northeast. And at this time, it was around about, um, I think it was around about 2014. Um, the Be Clear on Cancer campaign did a really good clear campaign on blood in your pee. So the signage was in restrooms, notice boards, and a lot of the companies who took part in that found a, a big uptake. Um, and it was very, very successful. So the message was, if you notice it once, see a doctor. Um, it was, I think the point of it really was to get people used to using pay everyday language. In, in a way, what we're doing today, Cathy, um, to say, you know, it, 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 it needs to be discussed. And so um, it kind of got that message out. Um, and it was very, very successful. Um, there was there were bladder cancers picked up in the key areas um, and people were seen. And the, I think what came out of it was they weren't frightened anymore of, you know, they knew what to look for and the messaging was very clear and unambiguous. And I think when employers get behind things like that, and I mean, you could, you could even, you know, the, uh, let us help, let us find, find the missing five, 15,000 men during COVID who weren't diagnosed with prostate cancer, a lot of a lot of companies really went out and signposted mm. to those um, messages. So I think it, it can be really successful if companies get behind these big campaigns. And as you say, those campaigns are there to help us um, to raise awareness and to be used. Those campaigns provide the literature and the materials and the resources for companies to be able to support it. Um, Helen, in this next session, I'm going to present you with a hypothetical scenario. So um, let's consider this. An employee is struggling with a urology issue, uh, but they're hesitant to discuss it. What's the first step that HR could take to address this? Um, and those of you listening, uh, feel free to share your suggestions as well. As well, um, our contact details are in the podcast description. Yeah, and I think we've kind of touched on this a little bit already I mean you know when I think about that that lady I've just discussed and and her fear of, of going I think that it has to come down to trying to build that culture of openness um you know so knowing your people um and encouraging encouraging them to to be able to say look I'm struggling here um because you can you can try and do all you can as em employers, but 
if the if your employee still doesn't feel like they can come to you, then then there's there's more more to be done. So I would say, you know, like I said before, training for for your teams, try and know your team, um, make if if there's enough discussions and um, highlighting of, of issues, then hopefully your team members will feel like they can they can come forward and and, and ask you. Um, awareness days, signage that we've said before, um, and you know links with the charities as 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 we've discussed. But it is, it is a difficult one, because, um, it is drawing attention to it to, to to what has has been hitherto thought of as very personal, um, but I think all you can do is just start very small with that that culture of openness and make make it seem that you can discuss these things. It's it's no longer to be brushed under the carpet. And Helen, your um, enthusiasm and passion for this topic makes it easy to talk about. Um, so thank you for that. Um, our discussion today has highlighted that we do definitely need to address these issues in the workplace. Urology is relevant um, to everybody, all genders, all ages. Um, it's a universal issue. As we said at some point, everybody pees. So um, the challenge is to um, not just think that this is for older men only and that it's not for the workplace. Um, workplaces, employers, HR people, they need to recognise, don't they, that, that, that this is an issue and that, yes, it is personal. Of course, it is personal, but actually it will impact productivity and well-being at work. And I think you've given us some great tips there um, for trying to create a supportive environment um, and also deal with issues um, which, as you've explained through your case scenario, for example, your, your person that you talked about, um, actually leads to better outcomes for the individual and in the workplace. Um, and then our quick fire question round, which you answered so beautifully, highlights the practical strategies um, that people can use and that organisations can use um, to contribute to the success for this and getting the conversation going. So, Helen, um, thank you for your invaluable insights. Um, is there anything that you'd like to finish with? I think just, uh, you know, the, the, the closing message would be that, you know, we're not expecting employers to be experts overnight but just to keep an open mind of what your the range of of, of of difficulties your employees will be going through um whether it be male infertility whether it be um you know a diagnosis of cancer or just managing bladders um to just be aware of awareness days um invite people in you know pro for example prostate cancer uk have a fleet of people who are more than happy to come to the business or do a podcast and talk about, you know, highlighting um, the symptoms and the testing debate, this kind of thing. Um, and at the minute, there's a uh, Boys Need Bins campaign, which is going to Parliament via um, Prostate Cancer UK. Um, and that's something you could get behind, you know, and think about um proper discrete storage and disposal in your toilets and you know just um you know looking at um supporting all your staff uh, no matter what gender they are helen thank you you've given us a great conversation today and some valuable tips um and thank you to everybody who's listening as well for your time and um, thank you for joining us today on pep talks health matters at work if, like us, you love talking all things health and work, then do subscribe, hit the subscribe button, leave a review, spread the word. Your feedback drives our content. And if there's a topic that you'd really like us to cover, then do let us know. 
Next week, we'll be joined by Lauren Lunnis from BNP Paribas to discuss all things menopause at work in the lead up to World Menopause Day in October. Until then, let's continue making health matter at work. <laughs>